I was reading a book by A.W. Tozer uh, quite a few years ago. It changed my life on this book, The Knowledge of the Holy. We recently bought some copies of that, and I have it circulating. Some of you all are borrowing that and reading that. We got four or five copies, I believe. Miss Kim came to me the other day. Miss Kim Dealman said, Brother Greg, it's been amazing to read that book. But he makes the statement that whatever we think him to be, he is not, because he's so far above what we can think. And God, uh, when, we, when we kind of grasp that concept, God loved you and God loved me. And that's the amazing fact about our God. Why in the world he would bother, I don't know. After we sin, after Adam sinned in the garden and we're all born sinners, why would he even bother with us? Knowing who he is, and the more we get to know who he is, we begin to see who we really are. And yet God is amazing. And really the only thing you can say is there ain't nobody like him. And then he gives us the great joy, not only of being saved, but puts us in a position where we have the privilege to take the greatest news man has ever heard and share it with the world. I grew up in Florida, and years ago a story was told of a uniqueness of tides and the change and the shifting of some currents in the ocean that caused a bunch of starfish to wash up on the shore. I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I'd heard it down there in Florida. And there were tens of thousands of starfish that were stranded as the tide went out on the sand, and many of them as the Florida sun came out and heated up the day, began they began to die one by one. And a little girl went along the seashore and was picking them up and tossing them back into the water, saving as many of them as she could. And a man walked up to her and said, girl, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to save these starfish. And he laughed at her and said, look around. There's tens of thousands of these things. She said, he said, you can't make a difference for all these starfish. And she didn't say anything. She just reached down and picked up another one. She threw it back in the water and she said, sir, I made a difference for that one. I, re- I remember that story, and I, I don't get teary-eyed over starfish, but I thought how, how, how much that parallels with what God allows us to do with the lost. We may not reach them all, but we can reach one. We can see one saved. And God gives us the great honor and the great privilege. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't believe it's an honor then you've never experienced the joy of serving Him. I know a lot of people who think, boy, God's going to put uh, the screws to me. He's really going to tighten me down and say, boy, you got to serve me. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I tell people all the time, we're looking at it the wrong way. We don't have to serve God. We get to serve God. And it's a privilege. And I was spending some time speaking to uh, Kyler yesterday and just talking with him about it. And I I think our world has a wrong perception. And I'm sad to say I think a lot of our churches are guilty of portraying this to the world. That God is some judgmental God that derives His joy and His pleasure out of condemning men. That's not our God at all. John chapter number 3 and verse number 18, it says, He that believeth not is condemned already. God didn't come to condemn him. In fact, in verse 17, it says that 
He didn't come to condemn them, but that the world through him might be saved. And we, we get out here and we begin to share the gospel story. And if we're not careful, we'll give the impression that God is a God who has come for no other reason than to condemn sinners to hell. And that's furthest from the truth. We were already condemned to hell because of our sinful condition. The Bible says that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We were already lost. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm not very religious, Brother Greg. I don't, I don't go to church very often. Maybe you're visiting today. and You say, I really don't have a lot to do with the things of the Lord because I just feel He's, he's a hateful God or some vengeful God. Can I tell you, that's not at all who our Savior is. Our Savior came because He loved you so much that when He saw you already condemned, He said, I don't want that for them. And He paid the price so that you wouldn't have to be condemned. And He gives you, as a free gift, the greatest news man has ever heard, forgiveness of sin and mercy from the punishment of hell. Not only did He do that, He gave us His grace on top of it. Boy, I just can't fathom that. The fact that His grace is immeasurable, you cannot exhaust it. I don't care how much sin you've committed in your life. I don't care how bad of a sin you've committed in your life. God's grace still exceeds that sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Aren't you glad we have a Savior like that today? All we can say is there ain't nobody like Him. And that's not even the message this morning, but boy, I'll tell you, God is sure good, isn't He? He sure is good. Let's take our Bibles and look with me, if you will, in the book of Luke, chapter 22. Jesus is facing His crucifixion. He knows what's coming, and being the Son of God, He has foreknowledge of what's getting ready to take place. He was in all points tempted like as we are. The Bible says that he understands and is very familiar with our infirmities. He feels the things that we feel. He knows the heartache we go through. There's not a heartache you and I ever have in our life that our Savior is not intimately familiar with. And as such, He can be a Savior that can give grace and come alongside and say, It's going to be all right. And we can never say to him, you just don't know how I feel. Because he does, doesn't he? He knows the heartache, doesn't he? He knows the burden. He knows the problem. He knows the trial. He has had the last supper with his disciples in the upper room. He's foretold of the one who would betray him. And for 30 pieces of silver. Peter, in wondering... If it was him, he said, Lord, even if it's to the point of death, I won't betray you. We know that story. Jesus rebuked him and said, Peter, before the cock crows, he said, you'll deny me three times. We pick up reading in Luke 22. Verse number 55 And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of of the hall and were set down together. Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire 
and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him, and he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message. My heart is very heavy this morning. That we know and embrace the truth of this passage. For God, what a wonderful God you are to us. That even in our failures, you are a God who loves us. I pray that you will bless the time that we spend around your word. And I pray that you'll open the truth of this passage that it will illuminate in our hearts and that your Holy Spirit will do a work. Father, I pray that you would allow us at the onset of the message to bring our will into submission to you and to yield ourselves. Father, that the decision time of the message take place right now. That if you will show us your truth, we will walk into it. Our, Our answer will already be yes. Father, may we not wait till invitation time to decide. But Lord, may we already yield our hearts and our minds and our wills to you. Bless the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will do that which I know I cannot do. And that is to transform lives. I pray that you'll do your work your way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We found here Peter of all people, and of course we all criticize Peter, and Peter being one of the inner circle, if you will, the inner three, loved his Savior, and I have no doubt about it in reading the accounts that the Bible gives us of Peter. We certainly cannot look at Peter and say that he was a man who did not love his Savior. He certainly loved him. We criticize Peter far too often for his failures, and The truth of the matter is, and the thing that is convicting to me when I read about Peter is Christ at one point asked him to come and step out of the boat on the water in the midst of the storm and to walk to him. And Peter did so, and he walked to the Lord on the water. And then he began to have his faith shaken, and he began to sink. And we criticize Peter and say, O ye of little faith, and we hear Christ tell Peter, O ye of little faith, and yet the truth is, he's the only man in the history of the human race other than Christ himself who had walked on water. And Christ said, O ye of little faith. And what that does in my heart is cause me to say, if Peter's faith was little, what must my faith look like? Peter loved his Lord. 
as sitting at the Last Supper, I have no doubt that Peter was sincere. I have no doubt that in Peter's mind, his mind was made up. He had purposed in his heart, I will not deny my Savior. I don't care if it's to the point of death. We find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ takes him and John and he takes them a little further into the garden and tells them to sit and watch while he prays. And when the multitude comes to take Christ, Peter's the one who steps forward boldly with the sword and cuts the ear off of the soldier. Peter, I believe, had all of this burning and churning in his heart saying that even to the point of death, Lord, I will not forsake Thee. And I look around the room this morning and I see a lot of folks who love the Lord, and I really believe that. By way of testimony of the way you live your life, I believe there are many here today that love Christ with all their hearts. And yet the truth is this morning, no matter how much we long to not deny Him and to not fail Him, we still do. I want you to notice some things here in this passage this morning as we look at this. We find Peter denies him three times, and the Bible says this in verse number 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Man, I remember as a kid times that I was doing something I knew I was not supposed to be doing. And mom would give what we used to call the evil eye. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Y'all laughing, I can tell you some of the heads nodding. We all know what that meant. That meant that without one word being spoken, your mother spoke volumes. She was saying, Greg, when you get home, I'm going to beat you half to death. You better cut it out. And I knew at that look that I had messed up. I want you to look at this, if you will, in verse number 61. It's amazing to me. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. We don't find that the Lord speaks to him, do we? And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. I want you to see this in verse 62. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Here's the man that was one of the inner circle, one of the ones that loved the Lord, one of the ones that in a few days runs to the tomb. Peter's the one that very vocally speaks out many times to his, his shame. But you cannot fault his boldness for his Savior. And here we find him weeping bitterly. Can I tell you this morning there's nobody like our Savior. Because the truth of the matter is, most of us here today, if we had been the Lord, and this man who we thought loved us with all of his heart had betrayed us in this way, not once and not twice, but three times. 
Boy, I think I would have responded a lot differently than my Savior did. Hold your place here, if you will. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We get to Mark chapter number 16, and we find in verse number 1, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples... And Peter. Tell his disciples. And Peter. In all that the Lord had to do in that three day period, he had to be crucified on the cross, he had to endure the weight of the sins. Not of just one or two people, but of all of humanity. The burden of it being placed upon him. He had to endure the forsaking of his own father as he turned his back. And yet in all of that, his concern was for Peter. What do we do when we fail God? In Peter's mind, the Lord looked over at him. The Bible says that he went and he wept bitterly. A few days later, after the crucifixion, he hears of the body of the Lord not being in the tomb and he runs to the tomb but he does not go inside he's worried about what Christ is going to say he frets over this look with me if you will in John chapter 21 for a moment Christ has now risen from the dead and he comes and appears to his disciples. The Bible says in verse number 4 of John 21, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he saith unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and he shall find They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, Is 
It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat upon him, uh, unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid there on the bread and the bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. I want to just stop and say this before we go on. When the draught of fishes came into the net by casting it on the other side of the boat, the disciples immediately knew who it was. For they had seen this miracle before. They knew that it was Christ. In verse number 11, he goes on and says, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, and for there were so many for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, and lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And I've heard great messages on this passage. There are different Greek words here used for the word love in each of these verses. And some preachers bring that out and they speak of the different types of love that Christ was speaking of here. And I believe that that is part of it. That's part of what Christ was trying to get across to Peter. And I've seen the messages on feeding the lambs and feeding the sheep and the differences between them. And I believe that's part of this passage. But to me, the greatest part of this passage is found in verse number 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And I want you to notice what the Bible says here. And the Bible does not mince words and is not adding words just for the sake of putting them in here. I want you to notice what it says. Peter was grieved. Some people look at that and they say, well, he was grieved because the Lord wasn't believing him. He'd asked him three different times now. Some people look at that and say, well, he was grieved because of the type of love that God was speaking of here. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. He was grieved... Because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? You know what we see in this picture? We see a Savior that no matter what you or I have ever done, stands there with his arms open and says, Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? God gave Peter the opportunity three times 
to say, Yea, Lord, I love thee. Yea, Lord, I love thee. Yea, Lord, I love thee. I find there are two things that I learn about my Savior in this passage and the passages we've looked at this morning, and I want to leave those two things with you and we'll be done. Number one, I find a Savior who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I find a Savior who does not desire for anybody to die and go to hell. He loves every person in this world, every soul that has ever been born. The Lord Jesus Christ loves more precious than anything you could imagine. Our former pastor, Brother Randy, is a dear friend of mine, and one of the things that I loved hearing him say is he always used to say, I feel like I'm his favorite. But you know, the truth of the matter is we all feel that way, don't we? Because the Lord loves us that much. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. God's not here to send you anywhere. We're already headed there. He's come to save us from that. He's come to give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. He's come so that we can have life and that we can have it more abundantly. He's come to forgive us of our sins. He's come to give us the grace that He speaks of to help us live our lives day to day with victory over sin and death. Be able to walk in the Spirit victoriously. To have great joy in our lives. I'm not talking about a life with no problems. I'm talking about a life with great joy. That in the valleys that are the darkest that most would consume the souls of the natural man, the Christian can look at with great joy and great peace and say there ain't nobody like Him. Oh, what a Savior who can strengthen me through the valleys, who can help me remain faithful by His strength to do His work, His way, with His power. Oh, what a Savior. If you're here this morning, there's not a sin you can commit. There's nowhere that you can go in this world that you can get so far that God won't see you anymore and won't love you. He loves you with all of His heart. And His desire is that you get saved. That you would not be condemned. That you would not be in this headed to this place called hell anymore. But you'd be headed toward the place called heaven. That's his desire. The second thing I find in this passage that we've looked at today is that our God is a God of second chances. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't care how strong my faith may be, It certainly is not as strong as Peter's. And I don't care how much I may love my Savior, I don't know that I would have the same zeal that Peter had in his love for the Lord. And yet if Peter could deny him, I know the fact that I can and do quite often. And here's what the devil tries to do to Christians. Are you ready for this? It's nothing special. He tries to find where you have failed God and wave it in front of you all the time and say you might as well give up. You failed Him. You failed Him. You failed Him. You denied Him. You denied Him. You denied Him. I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wonder sometimes 
when I read this passage in John 21, whether or not Peter had already determined in his heart to return to his old life of fishing. We find him out there fishing. I wonder in my heart of hearts if Peter had already determined, I have failed him, I have denied him, I am not worthy to serve him anymore. This isn't the Peter that we find a few verses, a few chapters later at Pentecost standing up and preaching and 3,000 men getting saved. This is a Peter that's out on the fishing boat, distraught, heartbroken, and yet Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, lovest thou me? You ever get to the point in your life where you think, boy, God can't use me. I have messed my life up so bad. I have failed him. I have failed him. I, I doesn't matter how hard I try. I just keep failing him. Been there? I've been there. What do we do? We come to him and we say, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love you. Yea, Lord, I thou knowest I love you. And then he says, Feed my sheep. There was a man in history that Satan could have thrown his past at him that would have discouraged him beyond any other man that I can think of from serving God. It would have to be the Apostle Paul. Here was a man who had gone around killing Christians, thinking he was doing God a service. He would get letters and go arrest men and women and children. He was standing there when the godly deacon was beaten and stoned to death. Stephen, as he's preaching, the people were so pricked in their hearts, they ran upon him and gnashed on him with their teeth and stoned him. And Paul was standing there watching it. And the Bible says he was consenting unto it. He was in agreement with it. If there was a man in history that Satan could throw his past at him and say, you don't deserve to serve God, I think it would have to be the Apostle Paul. And yet in writing to the church at Philippi, he said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, I have a Savior who shows me mercy and gives me His grace no matter how much I fail Him. Two things I want you to know about my Savior. Number one, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you saved this morning? Has there been a time where you have put your faith and your trust in nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ to take you to heaven. To where if Christ fails, we're lost. Because He's all we're trusting. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you're saved, is Satan throwing your past up at you? Is Satan discouraging you, keeping you from doing what God would have you to do just because you've denied Christ or failed Him? Can I tell you, the Lord's standing there this morning with open arms saying, Lovest thou me? All we have to do is wrap in his embrace and say, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And 
he'll say, go feed my sheep. God can use you. You say, Brother Greg, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But he does. And if anybody was going to judge you, he'd be the one to judge you. Not me. He'd be the one to say, that's too much. You've done too much to deny me. You can't serve me anymore. But he doesn't do that, does he? He comes to us and says, lovest thou me? The question this morning is, do we love the Lord? Have we trusted Him as our Savior, first of all? And secondly, as a Christian, have we allowed Satan to discourage us by the failures that we are? The truth of the matter is we're all failures, aren't we? You say, Brother Craig, that's not a nice thing to say to a Sunday morning crowd, but that's the truth, isn't it? We're all in the same boat. We all fail Him. If we were to look at that and that alone, none of us would serve God. But He still chooses to use the weak things of the world to do His work. Let's stand together with heads bowed, please, and eyes closed.